The biggest thing that uh, just having a process helps with is minimizing the decision making. Hey, hey, it's the Product Highs Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. I really appreciate you tuning in today. Got a good one for you. You know, before we hop into that, I just wanted to mention, because I, I feel like I, I don't really mention this enough here on the podcast, but you know, I thought I'd just mention my personal site, productizeandscale.com. If you haven't checked that out already, I invite you to do so. That's where I've got some articles, uh, but also my newsletter and my free productize crash course. It's a, it's actually a four part video course all for free. You can enter your email on the homepage of productizeandscale.com and you'll be uh, presented with that in my email list. Thousands of folks have gone through it at this point and I've had, you know, a lot of really good feedback from it. Um, so yeah, go check that out if you haven't already. All right. So today I'm talking to Meg Cumby from Meg Cumby Consulting megcumby.com and I uh, had a good chat today. You know, I, it's interesting to have Meg on the show today because, you know, she's basically running a solo productized consulting service to offer testimonials and case studies as a done for you kind of outsourced service for her clients who actually happen also to be consultants. And it's just interesting to hear how she uses process and focus and a very streamlined sales process and application form and the way that she engages with clients. It's all very predictable, simplified, streamlined, even though she's running it solo, she's really been able to use that to kind of diversify and, and improve how she runs her self-employed solo career. So yeah, a lot of good insight here. I hope you enjoy this one. Here it is. Here's my conversation with Meg Cumby. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with Meg Cumby. Meg, how's it going? It's going good, Brian. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for joining me today. So, you know, like like we were just talking about offline here, uh, I know a lot of folks that I talk to are, um, you know, the generalist freelancers or consultants, and they're trying to become more productized and even, you know, trying to stay solo. And, and so, um, you know, I thought I'd, I'd bring you on here today and talk about your work uh, at megcumby.com, megcumby consulting. What I really like about it is how, you know, simple and focused and kind of the the one page, you know, description with the prices, very straightforward. So why don't you tell, like, how do you, how do you kind of describe to folks what you do today? Sure. Well, what I have for, you know, this service is uh, I, I market as, as uh, I help consultants get social proof without the awkwardness. Currently, that's through two main core services of done-for-you testimonials and case studies. So I uh, talk to my clients, and then we arrange for me to interview their clients, and I handle all the writing and the approvals of the of the testimonials or case studies and just take that all off their plates. And uh, then they have a lovely detailed uh, piece of social proof to use in their marketing materials without having to make all the decisions that go with that. Yeah. You know, I, I think you really nailed the headline there. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I, that's, that's so important to really dial in, okay, what it is that you do, but why does this actually matter? And why is that actually painful or a problem or a challenge for, for the people that you're selling to? I mean, I, I'm a business owner. I've had multiple businesses where I need social proof. And you're right. Mm -hmm. It's it's totally awkward to, mm -hmm. like go, to go to your customers, your clients and be like, can you give me a testimonial? And yeah, I'm curious, like, how did you how did you kind of come up with that? Did you hear folks talking about that? Or 
For sure. It's it's a bit of a, it's like, you know, it wasn't a straight A to B to C kind of story. I kind of, the idea sort of came up when I was at a conference with other freelancers and consultants, you know, and about, you know, it sort of evolved into how I could uh, parlay some, I, I wanted to do more of my, uh, do a service that was um, more reliant on some of my interview skills, which I didn't get to do as, you know, uh, more of uh, when I was more focused on generalist communications. I, and it sort of came up as an idea that could work. What I didn't hit on was, and what really didn't, where, where it really started gaining traction was when I spoke with people and they spontaneously said getting testimonials is awkward. I did not hit on that. I was, I ran through so many different ideas of positioning statements and it's when it really started to resonate people's when that miracle of words uh, came, came at me uh, just spontaneously in, in group and a group of my peers. Um, and then they just kept having questions about it. But the word that kept coming up was awkwardness. And, uh, and honestly, the first part of my sales page came right out of that conversation. Um, just, you know, about how awkward uh, they feel or how, how, what they're worried about, you know, are they worried that they're going to ask too much from the client? Are they worried about getting negative feedback they ask? You know, are they worried that they're going to go through all this pain and it's going to be not a very good testimonial or a case study anyway? So, yeah. uh, yeah, and even that's just how, as like a social interaction, it's yeah. like you going up to someone like, hey, hey, can you tell me great things about me exactly. or about my company? You know, it's, it's exactly. Um, I think that sort of shows the importance of talking with your customers and just having like I did not ask a question. This was not a focus group that I was running or anything. It just I was in a group of my peers and they were saying this, you know, I mean, it was a business focused conversation, but this is something that came up and I'd already had the idea for the service, but that's how the positioning for the service came up. hundred percent. I mean, that's something that I really try to stress with, with people whenever I'm, I'm talking to them is like, you really, especially early on, but ongoing, you, like you have to talk to your customers, even if you have a really clear idea or sense of what it is that you want to launch or put out there in the world. And even if you know that it's like why it might be important just to hear the way that your clients or prospects describe it to you and then literally taking the words out of out of their mouths and putting it on in, in as headlines or sales copy um it's it really makes a difference save yourself a lot of pain if you can just take for 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 writing a sales page or a, a sales copy uh, if you just take half of it out of your prospective customers mouths for sure <laughs> yeah so you know what i like usually like to do is try to get a sense of how your service works today and then then we'll kind of jump back into the story of how you put it together but so can you tell us a little bit more like what is it like to to basically work with you with the testimonial or case study service um, mm -hmm. well first of all i'm curious like who who is like your typical client like what types of companies typically need this Sure. Well, and uh, I've opened my service to consultants uh, and whether that is a solo consultant or a, an agency consultant, you know, like an agency of consultants, um, I haven't narrowed that down. I found that both have that need, um, although they can differ. And there is not one type of field, you know, I've, I've done work with developers or uh, IT consultants, designers, you know, web designer, business consultants, you know, it's, it's it, a lot of times though, the commonality is that these are people working to solve a business problem, uh, however that might be. So, um, so that's, that's kind of a, 
I, I would say mostly the a common thread there, even though the fields are different. So, um, so yeah, yeah like so, if you're working with a freelance uh, or like a consult, a development consultant or consultancy, um, how would you start working with them? Uh, so I have a application form on my website um, just to help give an easy way to contact me and also let for me to learn a little bit more about people that uh, that are applying to work with me. Other times people will ask me directly and I'll just ask them the questions through email. So I, I do have a qualification process where... Actually, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I, I just noticed that. Let's dig into that a little bit. I mean, I see sure. the, the form on your website. It, you know, uh, it's kind of like an application, a mm-hmm. couple of questions. Um, so you, you receive this obviously, but do you get a Mm -hmm. lot of entries where it's just not a good fit or how do you kind of process these or respond to to people who fill it out? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, and we might jump around to a few different topics here, but this is the beauty of having a, an incredibly focused service with a price point that's published and just being incredibly focused on this, you know, it, there's a certain type of people that contacted me are pretty much always ideal clients, you know, they, and this is just one extra way to just make sure that people that contact me, I do need in the course of an engagement them to give me a little bit of information. So this is a good way to just make sure that they're willing to do that, you know, to give a little bit of information about, uh, about themselves and what they're looking for. You know, it's, it's just a, it's a qualifying way to do that. So, and I don't, I don't make the, the form too onerous. I think, you know, we have other than your contact information, there's like, three questions plus asking them if they have anything to ask me. So, you know, I don't, I, it's not a very long form. It's just enough to get to learn a little bit more. And, um, and then I ask them a few follow-up questions and uh, we get, you know, so long as that there's no uh, red flags, we, we schedule a call uh, like a 20 to 30 minute call just to dig in a little bit more and, and uh, ask a few more questions and have them have an opportunity to ask me and, and then if we determine that it's a good fit, then I send them over a welcome packet that, uh, again, just describes what what happens, what's included in part of the engagement, lot, which is already on the website, but just, you know, to have in one spot and also next steps of working together and any other expectations they might need, you know, hours of communication, you know, work from Monday to Friday, this time to this time. Right. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, Especially with time zones, <laughs> that's, you know, you want to make sure you're establishing expectations. You know, I, I work with people in different time zones. Yeah, we work with people all over the place, and, and lately, yeah. for some reason, we've we've had like a string of of clients from Australia, and that, I mean, U.S. to Australia, that's like the one that's really really tough because there's like a half an hour or like one hour window where, where you could actually get calls. Yeah. Um, but um, but you know, your your website uh is it's really nice and. I want to say like simple because it's basically like a one pager, but you have it all laid out kind of like a long form sales page, not like long form, like spammy sales page, but you just lay out all the details, including the prices and everything. And, you know, that's another thing that I've always just kind of defaulted to. Yeah. Just show the prices. I, I hear a lot of pushback from people like, well, do you really, you know, you might reduce the number of leads that you get, but you just said it. I mean, when they fill out the application or the consultation form, they've already seen the prices. So they're already qualified on, on one of the most important questions to qualify in terms of budget. Absolutely. Well, I just, I, you know, I don't want to 
spend a lot of time. I want the sales process to be easy. I want to speak to best fit prospects. You know, it's, it's, uh, I know some people would prefer to talk to everybody and that's great. And there, there might be, but for me, I really, uh, I really view this as a way to just make the sales process easier and smoother. And it's just, everybody's got the expectations set out. It's very clear how to move forward and nobody's caught off guard, you know, and, and it's not, maybe it's not surprising that someone whose service is uh, helping to overcome awkwardness also wants to remove awkwardness in the sales process so you know right. you know it's it's interesting because there's also the flip side to that because and i i used to think about this a little bit when i was doing freelance web design you know a couple of years back and and i've heard this too from people that you know if you don't show the prices you might get all these different prospects and they and they may have really high budgets and then you might be able to tailor your projects accordingly depending on like how large the company is that you're working with and different things that you might build into the project and i mean i think that's a valid concern like are you leaving money on the table by showing prices you absolutely could be (laughs) yeah absolutely um but at the end of the day like for me i landed on the side of okay let's just make it as predictable as possible I don't even want to go through any sort of negotiation. I just want to offer one service and then eventually build out the team and be able to scale that out without having to have like a whole long sales negotiation process built into that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, and uh, the wonderful Kai Davis, I think, uh, has talked about this too, about the, like just no need for proposals, really. Your, your sales page is your proposal and sales page plus welcome packet is, you know, it's it's not having to customize it each time, which takes a lot of time. I also think not, you know, with certain audiences, there is a potential by not publishing a price that they might not contact you because they might not want to waste their time into thinking how like, well, you know, I'm going to get into the sales conversation, we're going to spend an hour on the phone, and then I'm going to find out it's beyond my budget. You know, it's saving time for both, both ends, which I, you know, we, we all have enough to do in the day. So. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you start working with a client. And how does that start to play out in terms of getting in touch with their clients and getting the testimonials and interviews done? I have a very defined process, you know, A happens, B happens, C happens. And so I moved the clients. In fact, and, and it's very much done after the initial introduction. Basically, they introduced me through, uh, I like to say, you know, for a lot of cases, I recommend that they check with their client first that they would like to participate in a feedback opportunity just to make sure that before we begin working together that they've got somebody who is good to participate. Okay, so basically the client is your client is responsible for lining up the people who will be the subjects of the testimonials or Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cuz I've seen a couple of people do variations of this sort of service where they actually do the outreach for them. For sure. And I help guide that. Like I, I certainly have to, I have to templates and or recommendations for how to approach that. So like, you know, whether that's through email, like I recommend that they approach it however they usually communicate. If you're if you're always talking with them on the phone, ask them on the phone. You know, if you're always talking email, email's fine. You know, but uh, I have templates that they can use to approach that. If it's a solo consultant that has just one person that they want to get a testimonial from, I, I recommend that they get they do that outreach first to see if they'd be interested in doing it before they engage me. If it's an agency that has several options that we can like, okay, we can go to, you know, if that person is not available, then we can go to another client, then we can usually can start the engagement, even if that outreach hasn't happened. So, you know, that's, that's a difference in the process between solo and agency, you know, but it's a minor one. So, uh, so yeah, they check first with their client and then they introduce me 
by email saying, you know, connecting you with Meg here. And then I re- reach, do outreach to them to schedule an interview, a phone interview using a Calendly link. Got it. Um, and so do you differentiate between a testimonial and a case study or are those like different services? Those are two different services. Yes. Uh, even though they have some overlap in what they accomplish, a testimonial, a lot of my testimonials end up being almost mini case studies because they do get into this detail. Testimonial is completely in the client's words, explaining what results you were able to achieve. Good testimonials address objections and hesitations that the client had before the engagement and show how, how and basically overcome those by showing results and benefits and things like, uh, yeah, details like that and uh, how it was worth the investment uh, and why they would recommend that even, you know, though they've gone through those hesitations. A case study, I went into quite a detailed explanation there, but a case study, on the other hand, is not completely in the client's words. It can have many testimonials in it. I'll do case studies with testimonial quotes in it, smaller sections of quotes to break it up. But a case study is more is written uh, usually from the third person, sometimes from the first person, if you will, and goes into more detail about how what you did, you did as an agency or as a consultant to achieve the results and benefits that you did. It gives more insight into the process. Yeah, it's kind of like more of a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas a testimonial, it, and it, like, you know, it's it's probably geared more about here's how this service worked. And they both serve as, like, there can be elements of a case study and a testimonial, and there should be, a, a good case study has testimonial or many sections of testimonial in it um, to affirm that this is not just you telling the story, the client is telling the story with you. Right. What does your deliverable look like? So you've done the interview or interviews, you, you've recorded those, and then... Yeah, where do you go from there? So um, both cases, either the test, well, and before this, I should mention, we did miss a step here. I do not go into the interview blind. I do collect some background, a little preliminary background information on the project from my client to make sure that I know uh, so like, you know, what they did and what results they achieved or outcomes they achieved and just a couple other details so that I, I know what I'm talking to the person about, but just very brief detail. Like, again, it's, it's important when you're working in, with consultants in different industries to have a handle on perhaps some of the terminology that might get thrown or uh, like I said, the results that maybe I, the clients isn't being super forthcoming with, and maybe I just need to probe a little bit more to uncover those things. And oftentimes, though, it's the other way around in that I uncover outcomes that the consultant, my client, didn't know. <laughs> yeah, so. like how, that's actually a good question because I very early on when when I asked for my very first testimonials from clients, I used to just ask like, "Hey, can you shoot me over a testimonial? You know, whatever you whatever you want to say." But then over time, I've become much more specific in the questions that I ask to try to draw out you know, content that I could really use that, that could be helpful. So like, how, how do you do that? Like, are there specific questions you like to ask or ways to get a client to give really useful information that can end up on a sales page or a case study? Absolutely. Yes. So I'm sure many people in your audience have heard of Sean D'Souza, who wrote The Brain Audit. Yeah, I, I interviewed him on this podcast. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has those six questions uh, that I'm sure many people have heard of uh, to to get good testimonials. They do require some tweaking for a consulting context, but those are largely a basis of what I use in, in my interviews. And I have a few more that I add on, you know, to uncover the challenge or the pain that the client was facing that led them to seek out 
the consultant, or I also add a what would you improve question because that is just as important. Uh, and it's one of the things that allows the consultant to frame this as a, I don't just want nice words. I really value your feedback, you know, both what went well and what could be improved as well. And it's really helpful to have you as like a third party asking those questions because most clients don't want to just be totally open to the person they bought from. Yeah. And, and not even, um, I would say that's a, that's a conscious desire or anything like that, that they don't want to, that they want to hide. Obviously they know I'm going to tell their, to the consultant, but they just feel strange saying both kind words and also maybe what could be improved. You know, um, sometimes it takes me, uh, yeah, probing a little bit more. They're like, oh, you know, things were good. And they're like, well, there was this little thing. And then, you know, again, it's just useful information. And everybody who I've talked to would rather know that, would rather know that that's in their mind than than to have the client just thinking it and not expressing it. So it's just that, yeah, nice to have that third party. It's not awkward for me to ask these questions because I didn't do the work. So <laughs> Yeah, very cool. So then you you kind of write it up and where do you go from there? Yeah, so I, I draft up either the testimonial or the case study, and then I, I send it to my client first, the consultant, uh, for their review, just to be sure that, again, some of these industries, you know, are not my industry, make sure that I've interpreted things correctly. I very much largely pull on the client's words, so uh, there's not usually issues there, but sometimes I have to edit things together. You know, there might be thoughts that are from one part of the interview or another that I need to bring together to make it flow well and want to make sure that I've done that and that there was any concerns about um, how it might fit in their marketing. And, you know, I say I, I left, sometimes I'll make a note. I was like, I've left this part out because I, you know, from what you've told me, this doesn't really fit with your positioning, even though, though it's a kind word and they're like, yeah, no problem. Or just to check on those sorts of things. And um, like I said, everything from positioning to technical to detail to make sure that's all in line, their larger efforts. And then, and then I send it to, once we were okay with that version, then I send it to the client for their approval by email and just um, like so the the client's client the client's your, your client, client exactly client. <laughs> my client's client we we do it does uh, it does get a little when I talk about the service it, it does get a little bit yeah, uh, yeah I don't I don't know incept, inception's the right word but uh, yeah right. <laughs> it gets a little confusing but I send it to the client's client and just for their review and approval I, it's so important to make sure that they're comfortable rarely are there any major changes you know how do you deal with like um like non-disclosure. I know a lot of people like are, don't want to give clients names. I know some client clients don't want their names out there as testimonials. Like, are you still able to produce case studies by anonymizing them in any way? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't really done that so far. It hasn't really been an issue. Um, you know, there might be a detail that people want to take out um, or like, you know, a number they don't want to share. And that's, that's fine. In one case, we, uh, just didn't mention the company name. That was a way to get around that. Uh, but yeah, it largely, I obviously the testimonials are far more powerful when you've got a name and a company name onto them. So, but uh, that doesn't mean it's a, it's, you know, that's, and I would recommend pursuing those ones <laughs> that, you know, they are weakened uh, without an identifying mark on them. But that being said, you know, that, you know, if that's the only way to go, if you're in an industry that 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 is the only way to go, then it's better than not having it. It's better than not having one at all. You know, it's the same way, one way for, uh, you know, if you've just got those kind words, the ones that are all sugary and about you and 
Brian really knows a lot about his, you know, stuff and he really moved the needle, you know, for us. And I would have recommend him. He's top notch. Is that a particularly powerful testimonial? Not really. It's pretty much, you know, it's very much like all the rest of them out there. Is it better than no testimonial at all? Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah. So, so do they, does your client end up with, uh, like a document and, and like this stuff kind of written up and then it's kind of on them to get it integrated into their website, published somehow, or, or do you, uh, like consult on that part of it too? So right now the service that I have, they get a document with the, um, testimonial or case study in it plus the additional feedback received that's not in the testimonial so that's you know usually obviously the what could be improved question but might be some other points that just don't fit but are good feedback to have and so i I put all that in a document and send that once we have approval i send that all off to my client and yeah so they they get that and they can put it on their website or use it in their marketing materials uh, like you know proposals or however they would like to uh, integrate that so yeah so okay so cool let's let's talk a little bit you know uh more like high level about how you are running this as as your consultancy right um do you have times when you're just like completely booked up and like is there a limit to how many clients or, or these these engagements that you can take on at any given time there's absolutely a limit i mean it it is me doing um uh, other than the transcription, it, it is all me doing the work. So there's obviously a limit to how how much I can take on. Um, I also still have uh, other communications projects I, I take on outside. Um, I can't remember what email I saw. Like it all about. So this is the nice thing about a productized service is that I I've just slowly been growing this over the last number of. No, I guess it'd be, it's been more than a year, so maybe the last 18 months or so, just slowly been growing it uh, while I've been allowing a little bit more capacity to it. So yeah, there's, there's a limit to how many I can take on. So um, Do you get clients who, who hire you for the productized service and then they leverage that into a, a larger project with you, something else? So far, we've just, I stick, it, I get repeat clients for this service, uh, certainly. Okay. That was actually another thing I was going to ask. Like, Is there like a recurring aspect to it? There, there is a, a bit, yes. And uh, again, still developing, you know, and, and this is the reason why I very much wanted to keep, you know, I only added the case studies earlier this year. People were pushing me to add case studies. And I'm like, I want to get the testimonial process and service. It, like, I, I, I was determined to remain focused and uh, keep my focus on there so that I could see the patterns and see. And then at, once I was solid in that process, I'm like, okay, I can expand this process to be for a case study. But I've only been adding, like I said, very intentionally slow growth and slow growth in the services as well. So, um, but yeah, I do get to people come back for repeat engagements. It's not it, like it's this because of the nature of the um, service, it's not an automatic, uh, you know, like it's not something I could, it's unlike perhaps some other marketing things you can't, I can't, you know, just do one every month. It is dependent on a third party and it is dependent when they're done. You know, a lot, most of these testimonials and, and case studies take place after an engagement is complete. So yeah, we've run into that. I, I run audience ops, which is like a blog content service. And occasionally we do case studies as some of the articles, like in a, in a client's schedule and, um, yeah, we've absolutely seen that where it's just we're dependent on the client's client booking a call with us and that just throws the schedule off. So for us, we we always have to have like other content that's in the works that we could just go to in case we don't get 
but yeah, like talking to other people who are getting into this sort of like testimonial or case study type service, it is tough to fit it into that monthly recurring box. I, not that, you know, I think there are plenty of services like this one that just work out better when it's, when it's more of like a one-time, maybe a repeat sale service and you don't need to kind of fit it into the typical monthly retainer. I think that's a, that's a great point. I think that the temptation with these sorts of things is to try to fit it into this box that works for us as service providers and consultants. And the, it's got to make sense for the client. And that is where it's got to start. And then if you can optimize your processes so that it works better, but it, it, the value it really needs to start on the value of, that you're providing to the client. Is it valuable to the client to, to say, okay, we're going to do one every month? Not necessarily, you know, because uh, that, that doesn't uh, like, as as you know, you know, pro- project timelines don't always stick to what you think they're going to be and things happen. And, you know, maybe, you know, anyway, it's 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 not something that is I, I foresee as as that type of service. Yeah. So what were you kind of doing before you started this productized service offer? And I'm curious, kind of like what led you to start to think about, you know, launching sort of a productized service? Well, and I think I mentioned I was doing uh, more generalist communications. My background is I did a journalism degree, had a brief career in, uh, in journalism, uh, mostly uh, in between uh, school years. I was doing working for newspapers and uh, right out of it. And then I then moved into government communications. And then uh, my journey sort of ended up, uh, you know, it took a couple of turns after that, went back into government communications, but I started uh, freelancing and doing uh, communications work. Yeah, just without on my own. And for a long time, I've had a large portion of my work come from a very few number of clients, wonderful clients. But I just, you know, as you think about the long term, you're thinking about risk and, you know, if things change that, you know, it'd be nice to to have something I could ramp up uh, and just diversify that client base a bit. So, um, yeah, so I sort of moved and thought about what skill sets I could bring to that. I really did. I do love speaking with people and asking people questions and interviewing. And I wasn't doing, a, I, I was doing some of that in my past work, but I, I wasn't, I was like, I wanted to build a service that would use more of that skill. Yeah. So when you started putting this concept together, I mean, was there, or maybe is there to this day, any real overlap between the clients who would hire you for the testimonials or case studies and the clients that were hiring you for communications work? Um, or, or are they, yeah. it, it almost seems to me like they're separate markets. Uh, a little bit, although I have, I did uh, do this for a um, client that I, I, a long-term client. So yeah, um, who, who runs a consultant agency. So um, yeah, so, but no, like in general, it different types of work. Although again, I, I've, I've learned lessons from this that I've applied sort of more to like, you know, about talking to thinking about uh, what questions we'll ask people in, in certain situations or, you know, if there's a survey to write that certainly uh, informed us. Well, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, how did you get it started um, in terms of getting your very first clients for the testimonial service, but also like just understanding who this is ideal for, you know, like the the idea to focus on consultants and, and all that. Absolutely. So thinking about, yeah, wanting to create the service and 
I thought for a long time, I was like, is that weird to target a market that I'm a part of? And it just seemed so much easier to do that for a service that I'd have to market. And really what I found is I haven't had to do a lot of marketing because I'm part of communities. And uh, when I go to a conference that's for freelancers or consultants or people that know a lot of people in that area or part of online communities, it's so much easier to connect with people. And then as soon as, a lot of times, as soon as they find out what they what I do, they have questions or they're like, oh, I've already heard of that from somebody else in my network and I've been meaning to contact you. Let me you know, <laughs> send you a note or send or apply on your website. So the reason why I chose consultants is, is that it did seem to make sense that I had insight into that target market Whereas before, perhaps some of my clients weren't all in one target market. And just it was, you know, if you're going to start with something and you don't necessarily have full time to do it, it is why not start with a market that you are familiar with? And Yeah, like you already have inroads. You already just enjoy talking to and meeting these people anyway. And yeah, and you already speak their language. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So then what were your kind of first steps from there to get it going? Yeah, so it's funny. There was a, I did come up with the service for the very first time in 2015 at the Double Your Freelancing Conference, which no longer exists. But uh, yes, yeah, so uh, I, I did. I was just talking to somebody and the conversation with the one person I was talking to didn't really go anywhere. So I sort of dropped the idea. What I probably should have done was just ask more people about it. So at the next Double Your Freelancing conference I went to in 2016, uh, I talked more with people and uh, it really, I really got a peak of interest from a couple of uh, attendees there, fellow attendees, and uh, they were willing to pilot the service uh, with me. So I started out and I built out processes from those first two clients. And then I just from there, yeah, I connected in more online communities with more groups of um, consultants to learn more and to see. And really, the best validation is people paying you money. So uh, I really, once, especially once I got that uh, sales page up from a conversation I had, like people, so almost every conversation I was, had was like, oh, I might, I might look into actually hiring you at some point. And a lot, some of those people did. So. Yeah, nice. And so like your continuous, you know, leads and, and clients today, they're kind of coming through those through those means of just going out to conferences, being in, in these communities. Yeah, being in communities is, is huge. And again, we're talking at a pretty, pretty small sample size. What uh, maybe more specifically, because I because I, I talk about this, too, and, and I've I've seen this work for a lot of people. But like, what does that actually mean to to promote yourself or your business in communities? Because obviously so many of these Slack groups and Facebook groups and forums and things. It's, you know, you don't want to be too self-promotional. Oh, absolutely um, not. But how do you get that stuff out there? Uh, well, fortunately, when you're in a community that's focused on helping consultants in business, like, you know, it's, it's a talk business. And so when you join one, immediately what you do is say what you do. And that's the beauty of having a ridiculously clear positioning statement is that uh, people are interested. I've had, the, like I said, I've had the case where I've joined a community and somebody said, oh, actually, I've already heard from your service from so-and-so, mutual acquaintance, so-and-so. I've been meaning to reach out to you. Let me reach out to you now. Like they see that as an opportunity to reach out. So yeah, I, with 
clear positioning comes clear word of mouth because it, it is one of those things that sticks in people's heads. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like a branding thing, right? It's. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and just being again, uh, I, I it's answering questions when they come up on on your subject matter of expertise. That's that's how one person started a sales conversation with me. Was that I. Uh, just asked a, a group of people in one of the, these online communities, uh, what do you think about this and this testimonial? And I gave my, he's like, oh, thanks, Matt. You know, I, yes, you know, I know you do this. Actually, would like to start a conversation. So it's not me saying, you know, pushing myself out there. It's just being available and then being ridiculously clear about what you do, which is the beauty of a productized service is, is it's, again, once they, once they see what I do, once they go to the website, I don't have to explain to them, like, it's pretty clear. Here's what you get and here's what it costs. And then, you know, when, when to start a conversation with things. Yeah. Very nice. Um, you hit on something that you, so you started getting the service going and then, and then you said that you started to build out your processes, can you t- talk a little bit more about that? Like, how did you start to build those processes and how do you actually, use- so you're basically running this solo. I-, I don't know if you intend to hire people at some point and-, and grow it or like, how do you start to use the processes and, and how they've kind of benefited your operations? The biggest thing that uh, just having a process helps with is minimizing the decision making. <laughs> it's just, there's a clear next step, you know, like that's the thing. Um, and you know, there, we have, I have email templates or like, you know, past emails I've used that I borrow from. I still do some customization or like to the situation. You know, I, I usually have standard times to wait between follow up, but for certain clients, based on the context that my client might give me, like maybe we'll adjust that or, you know, some, we know that vacation time's in the middle of there and that sort of thing. So building the process, it just comes from doing the service and then actually, you know, figuring out how it goes and then, okay, it goes step A, B, C. And then when something else comes up, that might be, oh, this would, would have gone better if we had added this to the process. Great. We had that, you know? Yeah. I, I really like that because, it, you know, there are so many solo people, so solo consultants who maybe they don't even intend to ever hire people out or when they do it's only occasionally and so for that reason they just they just don't really think about their process or document it or or anything like that it's like what's the point but really what you're saying is that it's it makes your job easier it literally reduces the workload because the decisions are pre-made for you and then i'm sure it it helps you to, to streamline and reduce the amount of time that you're putting into it and that stuff yeah and and when we talk about documenting it does not have to be a big long sop like i do not have something that says sop like i don't have a document that says that on the top i just have like said okay they're welcome pa- and as you do it like you know it just becomes okay this is next like you don't have to, i don't have to pull up a document and think about what the next thing is you know it just becomes the next step but it is thinking about those processes and having some stuff on hand like you don't know, have an email that you want to maybe borrow from or or knowing okay typically you know, over the last few ones this is how what a good follow-up schedule looks like and so typically following that and just okay next step next step so it's it, it is Good. Like I said, you don't. It doesn't have to be this big fancy thing. You know, you just need to know what comes next. Yeah. Well. Um, so, what do you have kind of uh, planned or looking ahead? You know, in your in your business for the remainder here of of 2018. What are you trying to go forward when with uh, MegCumby.com? Well, I'd like to. A lot of I, I haven't been because I've been focused more on 
doing things in the business. I, I would love to, I'm going to be adding a few more articles on my site that might help people. A lot of my business has been through relationships and referrals. So it might help people who haven't encountered me in a community or in person before in some format that they'll, it'll help them to get to know me more and to get to know my style and whether or not they might want to work with me. So yeah, building out some more of the articles and just, uh, a few more marketing activities, but I, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm not like you know. It doesn't. I don't go hard on the marketing. Like I said, I, I do like the process of just uh, being present in communities, of being available to answer questions. And if somebody self-identifies as somebody that they would that, that would like to work with me, that uh, that works out pretty well. But it's good to put a bit of a net out there and, like, again, make more people aware of, of the service. And uh, perhaps you know, a few more best fit people will, will come in. Very cool. Well, uh, well, Meg, thanks so much for taking the time. This is, you know, really, uh, really insightful. I, I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. Thanks so much, Brian. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, people can connect with you at MegCumby.com. We'll, we'll get everything linked up. Is there anywhere else people can connect with you? That's the main spot. That uh, absolutely. Uh, I do have a Twitter, although I do not. Uh, I, I'm one of those uh, inactive Twitterers. So uh, I, best best spot would be MegCumby.com. And they can uh, contact me if they're interested in working with me or if they have any questions. Then uh, that, that would be the spot to do it. All right. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Brian. All right, now before we wrap up, let me ask you, what'd you think of this one? Was it good? You learned something? Are there any other topics you'd like to hear me cover on this pod? Well, let me know. No, I mean, really, like, let me know. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you. I'll read every single one. I try to reply to everyone. What's that? Oh, you're not on my list yet. Okay, well, head over to my site, productizepodcast.com. You can get on my email newsletter that way. I'll send you, you know, new episodes and all the show notes, but I'll also send you my newsletter where I share all sorts of articles and other insights on entrepreneurship, building products, productized services, software, SaaS, and other cool stuff there. So yeah, check that out over at productizepodcast.com. And of course, if you have a minute, I'd really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, or at least just five stars. You don't even have to leave a review if you don't want to, but that would really go a long way to helping other folks like us find this podcast. So yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll talk to you on the next one.